watching which it looks like you're not we'll see what happens um just please like share all that stuff comment um follow me on these things running across the bottom i am still partnered with resistance coffee company you can use my discount code to get 10% off your first order if you've never ordered it before. And like I said, they are setting up a Slash Davis style website, but I still do not believe that that is working. Hello, Anthony. Hello, Doug, guys. Today is a special day for me. I'm doing something different. Obviously, there's always COVID updates. There's always some sort of insanity going on. There's new restrictions in some provinces jason kenny's relaxing restrictions here for the unvaccinated december 15th the state of emergency in alberta has expired look into that apparently it doesn't matter and they're just going to keep running roughshod over us so now that i've established that the government is still totalitarian and brutal i can move on to what will probably take it could take multiple episodes. I don't know. So, um, if you're familiar with uh, what my channel does, you'll know that uh, it's basically mostly political stuff. And I deal with error um, when Christians are, um, they would be directly involved uh, <clears throat> with the kind of, general conservative movement so when there's uh you know conservatives out there going to rallies going to protests uh, speaking into the culture that's who i deal with um i'm not an apologist i am not uh, i'm not going to be watching videos all the time on um false teachers unless it directly relates to that issue, at least not at this time, because I, I think I need to keep my focus narrow. So if you guys are familiar with Caitlin Bennett, Caitlin Bennett um, is uh, her channel is Liberty Hangout. And um, what she often does or did in the past was go to very, very left wing um, uh, colleges and universities and um get uh like basically ask people questions and get reactions and post those reactions go to rallies get reactions talk to feminists talk to the girls wearing the pink hats and 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 and, and videotape her conversations with them and post reaction videos to that obviously showing the insanity of the left she's originally uh she originally became viral for her 
Kent State gun girl photos because you can open carry where that was. And so she brought a rifle to her grad for college, I think, something like that. Um, anyway, she's kind of been quiet in the background. Um, she got married a, a year or two ago. I remember when she was getting married. And um, what you're going to find out is that she went from atheist to what she would say is a believer. Now, you're going to see some issues with this video. If, you're, uh, if you have any discernment, uh, that's not an insult, but if you have discernment, you'll see that uh, she has immediate issues with this video. So we're talking, you know, there's statues of Mary and there's this really not awesome music the whole time. It's really not good. Um, it's kind of distracting. Uh, and that's through the whole video, so there's nothing I can do about that. We're just going to have to listen to that music. And so what we're going to do is systematically try to go through this video and we're going to see what what happened to Caitlin. Uh, did she become a Christian or or is she believing something outside of orthodoxy? We're going to find out. And also, I will say that uh, Muslim groups have been putting, um, paying for uh, uh, ads on her channel to direct you to Islam. So if we run into any of those in the middle, I'll try and skip them really quickly. All right, let's listen to what Caitlin has to say. A lot of you may be shocked to hear this, but for the last three years you've been watching my videos, I was an atheist. But that's not the case anymore, and I want to open up to you guys about my journey. I will say that, yes, I was shocked. I kind of thought she was like a nominal Christian who had some sort of Christian beliefs. Um, she did a good job of hiding it, and she'll actually explain later that she would edit that she was an atheist out of her videos. So now we're going to get a montage of some statues. There's the Virgin Mary. Might all, you might already be able to see where this is going. Title, My Journey to Faith. Being an atheist is not what most people think it is. At least it wasn't for me. Most of you probably think that people are atheists because they want to do whatever they want and have no consequences. If you don't believe in God, his commandments, sin, or hell, then you don't have to worry about living a sinful lifestyle or feeling... Okay, so right there she says, um, atheism isn't what you think it is for most people. Now, I will just start by looking at Romans 1, 18... Um, you suppress the truth in your unrighteousness, right? So what I will say here right off the bat is that she, um, it almost, it sounds like she's giving a different angle on it, but it actually, in my opinion, I all respect to her. Um, it kind of sounds like she says that's not the reason she doesn't want to believe in God or didn't want to believe in God. And now uh, but it, it, it's kind of similar. So Romans one eighteen starts with this. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men 
who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, both his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the likeness of corruptible man, and of birds, and four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. <sighs> so... Actually, I'll keep going. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. And it keeps going on. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So what we learn from Romans 1 when it comes to people who don't believe in God is that they are simply put suppressing the truth in their unrighteousness. They do not seek to honor God, even though they know he exists. And this will weigh on your conscience until you sear it, right? So she basically just explained that that is why some people believe in atheism. Uh, but for her, it was different, is what she's saying. I'm guilty for your actions. This was not the case for me. Everything I'm about to tell you is, of course, from my own experience and my perspective. Being an atheist was one of the most terrifying things I ever put myself through, and I did it for more than a decade. Because I was so ignorant and uninformed, I feared what it would mean to go to hell. When I started doubting God and religion at around 12 years old, it came from a place of disbelief at the stories in the Bible and also being scared of hell and Satan. It was So she didn't believe the stories in the Bible and she was scared of hell and Satan. So to me... That seems like a suppression of the truth, right? Um, you want to avoid God because you're scared of hell, which is reasonable um, <laughs> for an unbeliever to do that. But that's still the suppression of truth in your unrighteousness, right? What you need to do is understand that you are a sinner and that hell is your default position, and it is where everyone deserves to go, and you need a savior, someone who died and paid for your sins, right? It was easier for me to just reject it all if it meant not taking seriously the possibility of burning in hell or the reality of Satan. But that did not make my fears of those two things go away. The most memorable fear I had was dying. The thought of my death terrified me. Did I really live just to be put in the ground? Is my whole existence going to end with worms eating my brain? And the worst part was thinking, what would my family endure after death? Would I really never see them again? So she is dealing with the fact that she has, um, you know what, let's go back. I just, I need to listen to that again. Did I really live just to be put in the ground? Is she was scared of death because she was just, she was worried she was just like life was meaningless. Right. So that's, that's understandable. There's no, there's no truth or there's no life. If there's no life after death, then what is the point of living? And that, that is a, that's a, that's a good question, I think. 
um, a question that everyone should ask themselves. Is this all just random chance? Again, when we look and we see what has been created, um, that should point us towards God and not to the worship of creatures and created things. Is my whole existence going to end with worms eating my brain? And the worst part was thinking, what would my family endure after death? Would I really never see them again? Unknown to my 12-year-old brain, rejecting the goodness of God's light for the sake of trying to minimize my fears of hell would lead me to exacerbate my anxieties and fears surrounding this topic. You see that sounds like... I mean, it sounds like she has a firm understanding of why she believes she didn't believe in God. It's, I mean, it's helpful. See, what would always occupy my mind was the question, what if I'm wrong? Oh. So that was another and that ad. Is an that was another ad. I'm sorry. It's a, a really depressing one. But if that was a small child with cancer crying, so we're going to carry on. I'm wrong. And that is an uncomfortable feeling to live with as a teenager and young adult. I firmly believe that anyone who proudly boasts their atheism is trying to convince themselves that they're right, not the people they're boasting to. And that comes from experience. Even though it scared me, I had always heard that if you reject God to your friends, then he will reject you from heaven. Well, I had already done that. So why would I stop? Unf That's something I just picked up on. If you reject God, if you reject Christ before men, that he will reject you. Yes. That's saying that a, a real believer, saying that a real believer will not deny Christ for any reason. So, gun to your head, do you deny Christ? Do you reject him? You say no, you get shot, right? That's like the most brutal and clear explanation of that. Um, she's talking about being embarrassed about him to her friends. Um, I would say that, well, yeah, you would be denying him to your friends because you weren't a believer at the time. Well, that's, that's reasonable, right? Well, I had already done that. So why would I stop? Unfortunately for me, I did not grasp. So yeah. So yeah, she didn't understand repentance. Um, She'd already done that, so why would she stop? You can stop and turn to Christ at any time. You have not sinned enough to not be able to turn to God and believe on him, believe on Christ. The depth and beauty of what Jesus' death meant for people like me. I truly had no understanding whatsoever of his mercy, his sacrifice, and ultimately his forgiveness until now. When I Sounds pretty good so far. Um, she explains um, what she just said there. It sounds it sounds right. You know, you kind of perk your eyebrows up and you go, okay, it's not bad. Christ's sacrifice means something really important. Awesome. I would get mobbed on college campuses by hundreds of liberals. I would constantly have anti-Christian remarks hurled at me. The students would accuse me of being a Bible thumper, a stupid Christian, and you get the point. But when I would tell them I'm actually an atheist, they would be shocked and almost seem a little more accepting of me. One time, a guy actually backed off from berating me in a mob of 400 people when I shared that information about myself, and it did not make me feel good at all. 
How could I possibly align with people who treat others with no dignity? I was actually so embarrassed of myself that I would make sure those parts never made it into the final video that was released to you all. Even I think that that's super interesting that uh, she she was embarrassed of being like them. Now, you can tell that she always had a burdened conscience about being an atheist. It bothered her. So her 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 conscience wasn't given over to this. Why? Because the law of God is written on our hearts and she um had not just totally pushed it away yet, right? So Romans 2:15 says um <clears throat> Actually, I'll start with 14. For when Gentiles who do not have the law naturally do the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves, in that they demonstrate the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. So this is actually a really good example, right? She was denying God, her maker, and when she would be confronted with other God deniers and just seeing how evil and depraved they are, it was embarrassing for her to be aligned with them. That's, that's awesome. When, when we see what, um, what being given over to your unbelief looks like, it should push us away from that if we have a conscience and point us back towards Christ. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad that her conscience was burdened by seeing the depravity of these people and, uh, you know, saying she had the same belief as them. Even when I was an atheist, I always believed in right and wrong, in good and evil. One issue I've always been very passionate about is that I'm anti-abortion. I've always recognized that every human life is sacred, but could not justify my position without God. It seems so obvious to me that some actions in this world are blatantly evil, but how could I say this if there was nothing in the universe to decide what's absolutely right and wrong? Okay, so this is amazing. This is all Romans 1 type stuff. This is all truth suppression, um, um, objective moral standards. She was understanding that, that it is objectively wrong to kill a baby. It is objectively wrong to murder children. And this goes back to the law being written on our hearts. We all know that murder is wrong. We all know it. And some of us suppress that. And thankfully, she hasn't. But she knew it was inconsistent. If life is meaningless and there is no creator, then how can there be objective moral standards? Awesome. I mean, this is, this is, this is a good thing. What she's saying right here in this moment is good. Um, because... It should be evident to us that God exists because we know there are absolute truths and we know there are things, we know there are absolute morals, right? If in the end, nothing matters, then why would it matter right now? I battled with those feelings internally, wondering if I truly believe there's no God, why do I feel so ashamed for saying it out loud? It's because the truth about God, Jesus, and our creation is written on our hearts for us to search for Him and ultimately end up finding the truth that is so apparent if you just seek it. I'm sure many of you are asking, what made me convert? I'm sure you can guess that the answer isn't that I had a magical experience that just changed my mind one day and I've been blessed ever since. And so, so, 
actually, when she does describe what changed her mind, it kind of does sound like a magical event, um, a, like a little bit. I know she's going to say it was an ongoing process, but there was something that's coming up that was kind of like a magical event, a, like a little bit. You'll see. Instead, it started years ago with my incredibly devout Catholic husband. We married in the Catholic Church in 2020 because he... Okay, so they've been together forever. And um, and uh, he's claiming to be a believer and he was with an atheist. And uh, that's not good. So he was, what, evangelating her? In Roman Catholicism, they don't really care... If really, if either of you are Catholic, I think you just gotta go to church and do the Catholic stuff and they'll marry you and it costs money. I don't really know. Right. Um, but they don't really, it's not really, maybe one of you has to be like baptized in the Catholic church or something. I don't know. But the point is, is she was, he was marrying an unbeliever, which is a problem. So she's going to say that she came to faith through her devout Roman Catholic husband. That's what she just said. Right wanted to make sure our marital vows were sealed by Christ and fulfilled through the sacrament of holy matrimony. He wanted to make sure of that. He did. Sorry, I cut it off in a really key part there. He wanted to make sure that it was sealed. He wanted to make sure that his marriage to an atheist, someone who is on the path to hell, was sealed in Christ. Think about that. Believers cannot marry unbelievers it is a bad move you should not do it and if you do do it it will have repercussions in your life um now this is where it gets interesting um i'm just gonna let her talk while i get to my next section here i had no idea how important that was back then but i'm so thankful today that he ensured that happened over the next year, I would continue to reject religion altogether until he asked me to attend mass with him for probably the 500th time. All right. So in 2 Corinthians uh, 6, 14 and 15, it says this. Now, this is the LSB, um, which uses the term unequally yoked, which most translations, I believe, say that the NASB uh the the what this bible's based on said uh bound to so it says do not be bound with unbelievers the lsb says do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness so this would be a broad application to all kinds of things right it would be to um, partnerships, business deals, all this stuff, um, you know, getting so invested with unbelievers that you are in an unequal balance where you are going to have to compromise with unbelievers values to get things done for your business. Right? So that's bad. Don't like that. And I begrudgingly agreed. Now, if you've ever been to a Catholic mass, you might understand what I mean when I say I had a lot of questions about the faith and the traditions of Catholicism. So I started asking them. Then I would ask the same questions to many of my non-Catholic and even non-Christian friends. 
Actually, so I just want to deal with the unequally yoked thing again. Now, it does get into marriage. Uh, actually, I, I realize I, I, I kind of missed something there. So we've got the do not be unequally yoked verse, 14. Then 15 says, or what harmony has Christ with Belial, which... I believe most say, uh, most translations are, are, or I believe the take on that word Belial is that that is another name for Satan. It's capitalized in the LSB, so I'm assuming they're taking that stance as well. I don't even know if there's any controversy there, but it's capitalized, so. And I believe it's only there. So, or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? So, what does Christ have in common with Satan? And what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? It's not good. Think about how that would affect your marriage. You're binding yourself to someone and raising children with them. So think of the implications of marrying an unbeliever uh, as a believer, right? So, (sighs) Moving on, verse 16, or what agreement has a sanctuary of God with idols? For we are a sanctuary of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst midst, and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. So think about the implications of that for marriage. We should not be seeking out these relationships. And so, first and foremost, her husband was wrong as a, a, a testifying believer who's saying he's a Christian. He's contradicting the Bible by marrying her in the first place. And what you're going to find in this is that There's no mention of the Bible at all in it. There's none. There is none. The Bible has nothing to do with her conversion. You're going to start learning. So let's just roll it back a couple seconds. Ask the same questions to many of my non-Catholic and even non-Christian friends. So you're asking uh, non-Christians about Christianity. I mean, you're going to get bad answers there. And... um, As far as the normal Christians you asked who weren't Catholics and they couldn't answer any of your questions, shame on you for not being able to help this girl and point her in the right direction. That's why we need to just be reading the Bible and knowing what it says. Now, to get lots of these verses, I used my cell phone and I Googled stuff because I know know the verses, but I don't just know them all, which is shame on me for not knowing the Bible well enough, but I can find them. So... Guys, think about if you're in this situation as a believer, if you're a believer, if you are a Bible-believing Protestant Christian, you believe the Bible, if this girl comes to you with these questions, you can't answer anything, it's a problem. Now, I don't know what questions she asked. I mean, you're going you're gonna to have to think she's going to, she's going to be drawn towards the Roman Catholic position because of her devout Roman Catholic husband. So I have no idea how these people answer this. But if you can't answer any questions, if you can't go to the Bible and show people what it says, 
then they're going to find their answers elsewhere. And to an untrained ear, Roman Catholicism has a lot going on for it. A deep history. They claim it goes back to the very beginning. Uh, she's going to say that at the end. And there's, there's all these issues. So, so we need to be ready to give an answer, which is a Bible verse that I can't get the verse to because I don't have it memorized. For months, I would just ask an incredible amount of questions and realized I literally knew nothing about Christianity. Of course, I rejected it for years. How could I accept something that I didn't realize I knew nothing about? The more I learned about the truth. That's fair. How could you criticize something you don't know anything about? So she's saying I wanted to study and ask questions. Good for her on that issue. The more the lens that I saw the world through changed. One of the defining moments where I realized I was wrong was learning that pride was the worst of the seven deadly sins. Pride month. Okay, so it kind of starts falling off the rails here a little bit because the seven deadly sins thing is obviously a Catholic thing. I guess maybe they're making the argument that, um, you know, I don't actually know the history of the seven deadly sins list. Um, point is, is that sin leads to death. And actually, she's going to make a good point about how the Pride Month is really, really bad. And it, and it kind of drew her towards the seven deadly sins thing because... Pride is the worst of the seven deadly sins, according to her. Now, I, I, I would reject that there are seven deadly sins. Um, I mean, if you go through the list, they are all bad, and I, I see I see why they're kind of compiled into a list, but I don't really know the history of that, but there's no biblical precedent for the seven deadly sins. This is just, I, I don't know, this is just like a Catholic thing, I guess. I don't know. It has always been toxic, predatory, and perverted, even from a secular point of view. Pride Month has always been those things. Totally agree. It is not a coincidence that a lifestyle ingrained in depression, suicide, sinful behavior, and regret is given the title of the most deadly sin and then forced down our throats by every major... I would just ask, given the title by who? Um, the worst sin is blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which is attributing the works of God to Satan... Uh, that would be the worst sin possible because you cannot be forgiven for it. Uh, so I'm not like, I would just want to clarify that pride is not the worst sin because you can be forgiven of your sin and you can be forgiven of your homosexuality. Welcome. Welcome to the team. If you've been saved out of that and yes, saved out of it is the right way to put it. So She's on to something here. The fact that it's called Pride Month is very telling. And you see how hateful and uh, really just terrible the, the Pride Parades and the whole movement is. Just how bad it is and how sinful and just perverted it is. In her words. Your corporation and social media platform and then targeted to child audiences. That doesn't happen by coincidence. It does not happen by coincidence. It is definitely a work of Satan. So she's on to something. Now I'm sure you all want me to get to the story of what was the turning point in my life that really brought me to where I am. Right after we renewed our wedding vows in St. Augustine earlier this year, we arrived home to find my father. So check it out. 
I'm not totally sure why she got her wedding vows renewed, but her husband wanted to make sure that they got married in a Roman Catholic church so it could be sealed uh, before Christ in the Roman Catholic church. And then when she became a Catholic, they went and renewed their vows. Is that why you renewed your vows, Caitlin? I don't know. I'm, I'm making an assumption because I don't, I don't think you clarify, but it seems like the reason you renewed your vows is because now you were also a Roman Catholic and you wanted to do that. But you already said that your husband uh, made sure that that already happened. So why would you need to go renew your vows uh, officially like that? It's it's interesting. I, I, I'm not totally sure. Maybe there is a Catholic principle for that. I'm not, I don't know. Five-year-old kitty, Halsey, acting... Here we go. Here's one of her big moments. Her cat got sick. Strange and throwing up. Long story short, Halsey ended up in the emergency room for an entire week with a suspected diagnosis of cancer. You can imagine how I took this news considering how much I love my cat. I went into a state of such sadness, hopelessness, and anxiety that I actually developed a skin condition that was lurking in my DNA waiting to be triggered by a traumatic event. During this time, Justin offered to pray with me for Halsey to return home to us, so I did. Praying to St. Francis of Assisi, who is the patron saint of animals, was the only thing that brought me peace. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> she prayed to a dead person. She prayed to St. Francis of Assisi, who happens to be the patron saint of animals. Um, these are her words. She prayed to a dead person. She prayed to a dead guy, right? We're all, we're all, there's no, there's no beating around the bush here. She said, I prayed to a dead person for my cat. Now we're just going to. I'm just going to let her finish this thought. It was the only time of day that I felt that no matter what ended up happening, I would be all right. Only when she was praying. When praying, was I able to calm my anxieties. It also helped me ask more questions about how prayer works, how you're supposed to pray, and what you're supposed Look at all those idols that you would kneel down to and how you supposed How are you supposed to pray, Caitlin? Are you supposed to pray to St. Francis of Assisi, the patron saint of animals is that what it says so first of all we we need to deal with praying to the dead um and there's lots of verses on necromancers is how the kjv puts it but basically diviners people that would that would communicate to the dead that would be practicing uh, a type of sorcery or necromancy which is like no you don't you don't want to do that so look what it says in deuteronomy 18 10 to 12 deuteronomy 18 10 to 12 there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire one who uses divination one who practices soothsaying or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer. Or one who is an enchanter or a medium or a spiritist. Or one who inquires of the dead. So there's a lot going on there I really wanted to focus on. There shall be no one among you who inquires of the dead. Now, uh, 
Again, LSB is being consistent with its words. This is another... It is a shameless promotion for this translation, which is new. You can only buy it on 316publishing.com. But inquires there, I believe... Where is it? The NASB says, calls upon the dead. Now, um, this word for calls upon or inquires is the same Hebrew word that the Bible uses for inquiring of God. Now, there are other uses, but you would inquire of Yahweh and you would ask him things. You would pray to him and you would ask him things, ask him for things. Inquiring of the dead is the same word there. So you are inquiring of the dead the way that you are supposed to inquire of God. So you're asking a dead person for something. That's how I'm taking it. Not a Hebrew expert at all. Don't know Hebrew. I just looked these words up to see if it was the same word because it popped into my head. So keep that in mind. Now, you might say, oh, that's an Old Testament law and, you know, it's different now and all that, right? So, we'll go to the New Testament. We'll go to uh, John 14. I've got my thumb indexes here. I might as well use them. Uh, I mean, it would be so much easier to just have these pulled up but uh, on the computer, but I just like using a physical Bible. I can't help it. This is what I do. So John 14, 13 and 14 says, whatever you ask in my name, this will I do so that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Sorry, that last part, not relevant to our discussion, but what is Jesus saying there? Ask of me and I will do it. Now, This is a really good argument for why Jesus is claiming that he is God. First of all, Jesus is saying there that he is God because you are only supposed to pray to God. And Jesus says, pray to me, ask in the name of my father and the, or ask me to do something and the father will be glorified. Right? So the point is, is that Jesus is God and that's why we can pray to him. Secondly, he's not dead. He's resurrected. So that's another reason why we can pray to him because he is alive. But Jesus is God. No one else is God. So there's that. Now, we can pray. Yes, we can pray to Jesus because he is God. So in John 10, this I just... This is for anybody else listening. This is just a little extra tidbit. John 10, 30. Jesus says to the Jews in John 10, 30 and on, I and the Father are one. People would argue that he's not saying he's God there, but check this out. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Why did they pick up stones to stone him? Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. So they wanted to stone him because he said he was God. So Jesus Christ 
is God. He is claiming he is God, and that is why you can pray to him. So, there's a lot. Like, there's a lot here, right? So, we pray to Jesus as an intercessor. They are they use Mary, the Roman Roman Catholicism uses Mary as an intercessor. It uses Saint Francis of Assisi as an intercessor, apparently. Real realistically, Roman Catholicism has countless intercessors. There's one intercessor between God and man. And you'll see First Timothy just need to get there first timothy 2 and 5 it says for there is one god and one mediator also between god and men the man christ jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all the witness for this proper time i don't need to keep reading anymore Um, I've got a good question. Um, does it say anywhere in the Bible you're supposed to pray to the Holy Spirit? Now, it's funny. I believe we actually just dealt with this at church on Sunday. I believe it was this Sunday. I am, uh, I'm going to look that up for you and I'm going to deal with that because I'm not going to just bluntly make a claim. Although... I don't want to, I don't want to get distracted. I don't want to get distracted. So the question is, does it say anywhere in the Bible you're supposed to pray to the Holy Spirit? You know what? Maybe that's something else we should look into together. Um, I'm going to say, generally speaking, we are going to be praying through Christ to the Father, right? He is our intercessor, so... Heavenly Father, I ask you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, would you, right? Um, we're, you know, the Holy Spirit is who indwells us and points us towards Christ. So there is a lot of charismaticism where it is really, really focused on the Holy Spirit and, um, you know, there's a song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. It's it's a song bringing in the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I, 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 I mean, yes, the Holy Spirit, he is also fully God. He is co-equal, co-eternal. And he is often a neglected member. He is the neglected member of the Trinity. We don't understand him. And when people are focused on him, they obsess over him and turn him into something he's not, uh, right? Like he's more like, as some churches have said, he's like a blue genie, you know? So we don't want to be focused on the Holy Spirit. We want to be focused on Christ because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, right? So um, I'm going to say that we can pray for the Holy Spirit to do things, to work in people. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would indwell these people, right? So I, I think it, it's how, how you're relating the Holy Spirit to your prayer and what you're asking him to do 
if that makes sense. But um, I would definitely, I definitely want to give you a better, legitimate answer. So don't want to get too distracted though. So where was I? First Timothy two five, right? And then I was flipping. Oh yeah, I was flipping back to the Holy Spirit verses, but I'm not going to go there right now because I don't want to get distracted live looking for something. <sighs> for there is one God. Okay, so Jesus is the only mediator, correct? Good. Okay. Now we're going to do one more though. Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7.25. So, therefore he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. So, he is our intercessor. No one else is... No one else is... An intercessor. And Laura, who was in the charismatic word of faith type culture for a very long time, is saying for for Dandy, we will call this person, it's a different gospel and a different Jesus. One they call the Holy Spirit. So I don't want to get too distracted, though. I'm trying to make this about a specific item. Okay. So intercessor, good. Prayer, Working. Okay, yeah, here we go. I'm on to the next thing. What's to expect from God when he answers your prayers? I do admit I feel a little vulnerable sharing this with you all because I know it sounds silly to be brought to my knees in prayer over my cat. So I don't think that you praying for your cat is wrong. Um, if you love your cat and, you know, we, we are supposed to love our animals and look after them. And there's nothing wrong with having a pet and, and caring about them. I mean, most people in today's culture turn a cat into an idol or a dog into an idol. But there's nothing inherently wrong with loving your pet. Um, my wife is texting me. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to do here. Um, I'm just going to let it play out. So, again, the silly part is not that your cat died and you prayed or your cat got sick and you prayed for your cat. The silly part is that you prayed to someone who is dead and cannot hear you. When there are several other issues in this world that I should have been praying for all along that do seem much more important than my cat getting sick. However, this must have been the journey I was meant to take and I can't regret the path that brought me to where I am today. And evidently, our prayers for Halsey worked. We were able to bring her home and get her crazy-eyed girl back with us with absolutely no answers as to what made her so sick. So that's her cat with a little St. Francis of Assisi statue, I'm, I'm imagining. Um, and you have to know something. Like, Catholics literally have a patron saint for everything. I have a motorcycle jacket upstairs that if you start digging around in the in the chest pocket, it's got a little flap in it, and you open it up, and it comes out with a little charm, and he's, like, the patron saint of safe travels, so, like, Catholics, like, hang his emblem from the their car window and stuff. I mean... It's it's everywhere. You don't even if if you're if you're dealing with a devout Catholic, they've got charms for everything, really, right? All I know is that my husband has been praying for years for my conversion and an opportunity for me to see Christ in action, and that may have been exactly what happened. So, 
may have been. I'm glad she put that in there. But I would ask you, what happens if your cat dies? You pray to St. Francis of Assisi in that moment, and instead your cat dies. You are putting emphasis on your cat being healed, right? Your cat um, not dying uh, as a, mm, you know, you saw prayer working and in action. But just because prayer works the way that you want it to doesn't mean it was even God behind it, uh, right? and, And God isn't just again, like a magic, a magic, uh, you know, wishing, (laughs) like he's not a magic genie. You don't, you don't get wishes. You don't just pray to God and, and, oh, wow, it worked. And that proves it. Uh, You prayed to it and you didn't even pray to God. You prayed to a dead person. So your faith should not be based on the fact that a prayer worked, Caitlin, um, I would say. After falling on my knees in prayer in such a dark time, I now fall on my knees in prayer when I am overly joyful and thankful for the blessings I have today, which of course includes my Halsey girl. So who are you praying to when you fall on your knees in joy? Who are you praying to? Is it is it God? Is it Jesus? Is it Mary now? Is it, is it Assisi again? Or is it St. Francis? Because this is... This is not good. I'd like to give you some advice from a former atheist, specifically on how to raise your children to not end up like me. It starts by praying together every day as a family and making sure Christ is put first in your household, creating traditions that last for decades into their- So you saw a shot of the rosary there, just so you know, she's talking about praying, falling on her knees in prayer and being joyful. Um, I would point out um, to you that Jesus, said this so if you don't know how a rosary uh prayer works you hold the beads and you count them and so say you were saying your 10 hail marys you would count the beads as you're saying your hail marys and i think that jesus condemned practices like this um in matthew 6 7 and 8 matthew 6 verses 7 and 8 says but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use a meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Then he says, pray then in this way. And you have the Lord's prayer laid out there. He teaches them how to pray. Now, it is okay to pray the Lord's prayer, but you should not be turning it into a ritual. This was a methodology teaching, teaching his disciples how to properly pray. And so if you just pray the Lord's prayer repetitively, you're literally doing what he just condemned. This section is teaching us as believers how to pray so that was just a little shot of the rosary that that made me think of that we're gonna there it is we're gonna rewind here making sure christ is put first in your household creating traditions that last for decades into their adult lives and eventually into their own families how are you putting christ first in your life when you are praying to dead people to heal your cat 
ensures they never have to go to bed with anxieties about their eternal life. I wish I had discovered the truth earlier in my life, but I'm humbled to know that even a sinner like me was never forgotten by God. In the months since, I decided to commit my life fully to Christ and I'm currently going through RCIA to convert to Catholicism. Some of you may be wondering, why the Catholic faith and not just Christian or non-denominational? In the beginning of this video, I mentioned that I asked several different types of Christians and non-Christians the same questions. The only answers that made sense were from the Catholic perspective. How? I, I gotta go back. So she asked a bunch of Christians and stuff, and the only ones that made sense were the Roman Catholic ones? Were you... Oh, I'm, okay. You may be wondering, why the Catholic faith and not just Christian? Because your husband's non-denominational. In the beginning of this video, I mentioned that I asked several different types of Christians and non-Christians the same questions. The only answers that made sense were from the Catholic perspective. It is the only faith that can answer questions about the origins of the universe, the compatibility between faith and science, the way God reveals himself to mankind, the meaning behind sacred scripture. So, they speak on every issue. They give you justification for, oh, that thing about the flood that sounds ridiculous, you don't really need to believe that, right? Whatever it is, it helped. It, it, this is what gave her her answers to get through, like to 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 pick, sorry to to pick the Roman Catholic Church. This is what she's saying. Um, it's the only thing that could have provided answers. You have not mentioned this thing at all. You none of your video deals with what the Bible says in the slightest and it's the only it's the only church that could interpret scripture but you haven't even quoted a single one through this whole thing so how could the roman catholic church provide you with this now you'll notice that she said they're the only one that can interpret scripture or something hold on i gotta let's go back a second here the universe, the compatibility between faith and science, the way God reveals himself to mankind, the meaning behind sacred scripture, and the way in which he communicates his spirit to us sacramentally today. <laughs> so, I don't even know. I don't... Caitlin, I think you're awesome. I do. I love you. Um, this is not a good argument for Catholicism. It's the only ones that provided you with answers. Who are your Christian? Who are your non-Catholic friends? What the Roman Catholic Church teaches is not what it used to teach. It is constantly evolving and changing. And that is evidenced by the current Pope, who is a deranged leftist. Someone who identifies more with the people who mob you at these colleges than Jesus. Look to who sounds like Jesus. Read the Bible. Read the Gospel of John. Read it first and see who sounds more like Jesus. Protestants who are trying to warn you about what you're believing and what your faith is? Or, or does, 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 does Pope Francis sound more like Jesus? Who sounds more like Jesus? It's not Francis. 
It's not the Pope. The Pope is a wild-eyed leftist. The kind of people that embarrassed you when you were on the same team as them. Well, I have a newsflash for you. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be rude, but... You are aligned with him now, and you should be embarrassed to be on the same team as him because he's a deranged leftist just like these atheists were, right? And the greatest thing is that it traces all the way back to Christ himself. No, it does not. Through a clear succession of the apostles. So that Absolutely not. We can be 100% confident that we are receiving the same Jesus as Peter and Paul 2,000 years ago. And Absolutely not. Um, they have one. There is nowhere in the Bible where it says to pray to a dead person. So I think that I've beat that horse enough. It's pretty dead now, but that shows you that it, what you're saying is not true. The religion has evolved when there's popes digging up other popes, dead bodies throughout Roman Catholic history and excommunicating their corpses and stuff. <laughs> And when there's two or three popes fighting and living at the same time about who has apostolic succession throughout Catholic history, like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't go back to, it doesn't go back to Peter. It doesn't. Exactly the same manner that he intended. Exactly not at all the same manner. As my priest would say, the other versions of Christianity that broke off from Catholicism. Broke off from, so again. This is all assumption on terminology. It's like when a King James only says these verses were deleted. Um, it's 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 a it's a word game. Uh, Christianity, these other things didn't break off of Rome. Rome went apostate slowly over time. Failed to trace themselves back to more than a couple hundred years, and failed to answer. I mean, there's a Baptist guy. Who wrote a book called The Trail of Blood and he'll 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 trace you back to Peter too. But it's nonsense. Just like just like this. There is no apostolic succession. Apostolic succession comes through those who believe scripture, those who trust scripture, and those who believe the gospel that is in scripture. That's how apostolic succession works. I am in the line of the apostles and so are all believers who believe that the word of God is, is the truth, not this tradition that you impose as a veil over the entire text of scripture. And I'm not accusing you of even being able to know all this stuff. Um, and I wouldn't even, there are Roman Catholic apologists that would dismantle me quickly, but you should go watch debates between James White and Roman Catholic priests and see what the Bible says, because the Bible is the ultimate authority. It is not the Roman Catholic Church that dictates what's authoritative in the Bible or how it's to be interpreted. The Bible shows what church is accurate. That's what you need to remember. God gave us this Bible, not a church answer life's most important questions. When I'm seeking information, I want the full answer. I want to know as much as I can. I want the proof to back it up. And when it comes to Jesus Christ, I want to receive him fully. None other than Christ's one holy Catholic and apostolic church built on his rock Peter offered that to me. So the one holy and apostolic church, uh, Catholic church, I believe that that is what, that's from a creed. 
And the word Catholic means universal. And it was small C Catholic, not big C Roman Catholic. That's not, it's not what it means. And so she's going to relate it back to Peter. That's very standard. This is offer that to me. And none other than the Catholic faith gave proper respect to Jesus's mother, Mary, who said yes oh to goodness. Christ before anyone else. Okay. So I, I kind of skipped something there. Um, Oh, the Peter thing. Uh, I mean, it's it's over and over again, right? Uh, and, it, and it is frustrating to listen to, but I, I want this girl, if she ever sees this video, I don't know, maybe I'll try to post a link to it on her, on her video. I don't know. Uh, I highly doubt she'll watch it. I'll probably just get a bunch of really angry Catholics coming to see it. <sighs> I don't know. But anyway... Matthew sixteen eighteen. This is the standard verse for why Peter is the rock. Um, yeah. So Matthew sixteen eighteen. It reads, "And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it." So there's a word game going on there. Peter is Petros. Petros means stone. Peter is the stone. On this rock, I will build my church. The word rock there is a different word. So if you were listening to them talk in Greek, well, oh, that's like a whole nother can of words because were they speaking in Greek or were they speaking in Aramaic? So anyway, the point is, is that John or Matthew is distinguishing between Peter and this rock figure in Greek. That's what's happening there. Petros means a stone or boulder. Okay. Now I want to show you guys something. One guys. Um, oh, sorry. I've got some cool. Uh, I got some cool stuff here. Ah, uh, yeah. Anyway, don't worry about. Uh, I, I'm getting a little bit uh, distracted by comments again. But so we know what this is saying. So you know what? I will say that when you read this without understanding the the Greek wordplay that's going on, it kind of sounds like Peter is the rock. But we should be able to draw some conclusions. And if you look up. The Lord is my rock, the God being called a rock in the Old Testament. God is the rock. And so it does not make any sense for Jesus to be pointing people to, to Peter as the rock when God is always the rock, right? He is the cornerstone of the of the building right like these things all relate back to christ so i just want to show you guys something cool really quick here oh i'm over an hour mm. i want to i just want to deal with this stuff really quick and uh who know i you know what i probably don't even need to finish the rest of her video um but uh, i am going to show you guys this so isaiah 20 six four this is this is a little bit of work so just bear with me here isaiah 26 4 it says 
Trust in Yahweh forever, for in Yah, Yahweh himself. Now, what's interesting there is most translations are going to put Lord God, all capitalized, or the NKJV puts Yah, the Lord there. We all know about the transliteration of Lord for YHWH, but there is a shorthand version of Yah, of Yahweh, and it is Yah. And Isaiah is the only author to put it as a Yah, Yahweh, short Yah, long Yahweh, and he does it twice. And what's interesting is, he says, for in Yah, Yahweh himself, we have an everlasting rock. For he has laid low those who settle on high the exalted city. So God is the everlasting rock, okay? God is the everlasting rock. Now, if we read the context, we can go back to chapter 25, and we're going to see something really cool here. Um, in chapter 25, 8, you're going to see that this is still talking about God in the same context. And in Isaiah 25, 8, it says this. He will swallow up death for all time, and Lord Yahweh will wipe tears away from all faces, and he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth. For Yahweh has spoken, and it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God in whom we have hoped that he would save us. This is Yahweh in whom we have hoped. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. And as you move on, there it goes into chapter 26 where it says, In that day, such and such, same context. Go read it for yourself to see if I'm correct. Read chapters 25 and 26. And you will get to the verse 4 again where it says, For in Yah Yahweh we have an everlasting rock. Now I have this pet theory with the Yah Yahweh thing that I won't get into too much, but where else do we see the context pointing to in that day, he will wipe away every tear. Now, where do you see that? You see that in Revelation as well. Now, there's a section in Revelation 7 where it points to the Lamb and then it says God will wipe away every tear. And so you're still seeing this separation of God the Father, God the Son. But in Revelation 21.4, it starts getting really interesting. And we see that Christ, when we look upon Christ, we are looking upon the Father perfectly because now we're in the new heavens and the new earth. I'm just going to read that from the start of Revelation 21.4. It says, or from the start of Revelation 21. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. There's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be and there will no longer be any death there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain the first things have passed away and so that is awesome because it kind of shows you that 
This God, who is our rock, who will wipe away every tear, I believe in Revelation 24, or 21.4, is being applied to Jesus. Do you see, so do you see what I'm saying? The context of who that rock of salvation is, is, is Christ. That is Christ. Christ is our rock. And so this thing that she's saying, where it says Peter is the rock, on a very superficial level, it looks like it might be saying that, but it cannot be. It just can't. And so there are too many things that only call God the rock in the Bible. And so, Caitlin, I would ask you to just read the Bible. Believe it. Trust in it. Be saved by it. Trust in what it says. The Roman Catholic Church, unfortunately, has a false gospel. And I have Roman Catholic friends, um, people from Rebel Media, Rebel News, who I love dearly, are Roman Catholics. And I would point them to compare the gospel of the Bible to what the Roman Catholic Church teaches. You are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And that is all. You do not add works, and you add works in the Roman Catholic Church. And she doesn't even get into that, really. But she makes an appeal to the authority of the Roman Catholic Church, right? In addition to all of these things, I married my husband because I trust him. I trust him to be loyal to me. I trust him to love me, to protect me, but most importantly, to guide me as the man of the house. Before you were married, let's establish this. Before you were married, you were living together. Um, you were living in sin together. And so he did none of those things up until that point, right? Caitlin, um, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't look after you. That's not what a believer is supposed to do. I have sinned. I have sinned outside of my, or, <laughs> oh, I don't want to make it sound like I committed adultery. I sinned in my past before I was a believer. And after I was a believer, I did, I did. And so I know. Um, I know what happened when you live together. We all know. And so he didn't love you. He didn't love you like Christ loves the, loves the church. He didn't keep you pure. Right. And so we need to think about what we're doing. We need to think about what our beliefs are. There is no hint of repentance for what you did in your past. It is simply my devout Roman Catholic husband married me while I was an atheist and I converted later. That's not, that's not a good testimony. I fully trust that his love for me would never have him leading me down a path that wasn't the very best for my eternal life. So your faith is built on your husband's love for you and trusting that he wouldn't steer you wrong? Your faith needs to be in the word of God and the word of God only. I urge you to attend a Catholic Mass, ask the parishioners questions, and immerse yourself in the history and tradition of the church, which is the only church that dates back to the foundations built by Christ himself. Again, we've already established that that is not true. Um, I, that has been debunked numerous times. There is no consistent Roman Catholic Church dating back to the very beginning. You appeal to authority and a succession, but none of those people had the same beliefs, and it is not consistent. This is not true. Then you'll understand for yourself. Thank you all for being so incredibly patient with me as I have stepped away from the toxic... 
So again, I want this to be known that I, I do this in love for her. I, I, I care about Caitlin. I I've always watched her content and maybe not agreeing with everything she did. I don't care. Um, but this is out of love. And so Caitlin, you need to look at what the Bible says, what the gospel is. You must believe on Jesus Christ's death, burial, resurrection, that, that was the sacrifice for your sins. Yes, you believe that he is God in the flesh. But you must believe that he paid for your sins. And you must have faith in that and that alone. And do not add any work to the gospel. And stop, stop with idolatry. I believe we should all be praying for this girl that she would read the Bible. And that she would see what it actually says for her. And with that guys, I'm going to end this stream tonight. I'm very happy. I got through this in one episode. I will be back to more relevant issues next time. Thank you. As always, this is bro. Here's the thing.